Schneider. I'm the other one, Dan Ludwig. Joining us for a second time is our legal advisor and legal counsel, whether he likes it or not, Ian Roberts. Okay, I'll uh, def- definitely not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, okay, yeah, like surprise, bitch. I, th- I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. <laughs> we definitely aren't recording these one after the other. Nope. Yeah. Not the same night at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, now you're here to talk about gender. Yeah, we we fun. Yeah, we probably should have had a different guest on. Whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, I can still talk about legal developments when it comes to when it comes to equality and feminism. Exactly. That. Yeah, that's true. That's that's what you're here for. His legal right. expertise is relevant. Is ever so, relevant. Uh-huh. Let's just let's just go ahead and set up this episode that we're talking about. This episode's fucking weird, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, there's some weird psychosexual shit that goes down in this one. Oh, definitely. Uh, like, I, I mean, the first episode you guys ever had me on was, uh, had to do with uh, Barney, like, right. trying to court someone and it being really awkward. And, like, that first episode, from what I remember, I can't remember her name. It was another, like, two... It two, was, it was, it was a, Edna May. Yeah, it was, it was another... Uh, no, no, you're not Edna It was right. another... It was, it was another Southern, like, Southern girl name. That woman just vanished yeah, and of course Thelma she did. Lou slides And in. Thelma Lou slides in and, you know, he kind of upgraded with Thelma Lou because she at least looks a good 15 years younger. Yeah. yeah so um, we're, we're talking about Barney Fife's dick again, guys. Yeah. Like, welcome. Like, and, you know, each time, each time episode we do, it's like a new, like, layer in the onion of crazy that, it's, that is Barney Fife. Just the weird... Like insane Rube Goldberg, like like lengths you have to go to get like Barney Fife to be sexually interested in his girlfriend. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. No, we're talking about Barney Fife's dick. All right, way more than I thought I'd ever as an adult. So we're talking about season two, episode five, Barney on the Rebound, directed by a guy who's still not sure why they canceled Nash Bridges, Bob Sweeney, purveyor of artisanal fudges, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> And written, of course, by Charles Stewart and Jack Ellenson. Uh, first airs October 30th, 1961. And I'll go ahead and do our one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. After an argument with Thelma Lou, Barney finds a new girlfriend. That's order-wise, that's yeah, actually not Yeah, really that's, 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 that's a little that misleading. Leads, that leaves Wikipedia a little bit out. is being charitable. Yeah. After an argument with Thelma Lou, Barney finds a new girlfriend who turns out to be a visiting con artist, and her... Oh, spoiler what alert. What the fuck is with yeah, Wikipedia yeah, they do, away? They, yeah, like, they kind of gave away that, that the twist that comes in the last, like, two minutes of the episode. Oh, That oh. is our job. Yeah. Oh, well, if you think that was a spoiler, uh, who turns out to be a visiting con artist, and her husband-slash-associate. Yeah. God. 
Damn it! Played by Jackie Coogan, who uh, best known for being Uncle Fester on the Adam Family. What? No That's way! That's who that is. Oh my god! Are wow! You like, didn't he have a me? mustache? Yeah. Oh, Didn't he have a mustache yeah, in this episode? Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, there's yeah. no way oh I could have told. Sand wow. mustache. That's fucking. Oh my god, Fester. that is Uncle Fester. Oh my god, she was fucking Fester. Ew. Oh, that's upsetting. <laughs> there was. She was fucking Uncle Fester with. Uh, oh shit! What's the dad's name? Uh, Gomez. Gomez with Gomez's mustache. Ew. She was fucking Ew. Uncle Fester with Gomez's Gomez. Gomez had a pencil mustache. His uh, the guy in this one was definitely like a shoe brush kind of. Like. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh god, that makes it. I didn't know this episode could be more upsetting, and it found a way. Mustache ride. Yeah. Oh. Ah. <laughs> Get All that right. good, good mustache ride from Uncle Fester. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, episode title. Nailed it. <laughs> Uncle Fester's Mustache is our Out of the Family podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Fester's Mustache rides. Alright. Uh, so let's go ahead and launch right into this. So we open up uh, outside of like the general store, just on the street, uh, where Thelma Lou and Barney are like meeting. Barney's about to go on his rounds, and Thelma gives her gives him a kiss. Yeah, like, like not and even for some reason this seems like a big deal. Yeah, Barney throws a little temper tantrum about this. He he says, "Oh, don't kiss me!" Like he's like afraid of PDAs or something. Right, and just just to, just to back up a little bit, one thing I definitely noted is that he drops her off. And he's like looking into her purse, but he's but Don Knotts is clearly looking down her shirt. Like I don't know if you guys noticed that. <laughs> I did not, and I'm so mad. I didn't. <laughs> just want to make that clear. That's definitely what I saw. But like anyway, then she kisses him, and that's apparently a big deal. Don, she ki- yeah, she kisses him, and then Don Knotts starts to freak out uh, about how it's inappropriate for a deputy to be kissed. And then uh, like a passing like farmer just like does look at them. Yeah, but, and he's like, "Do you see? Do you see how?" people are like are horrified by our PDA yeah. and I was just like I'm like he's wondering why you're shrieking in the middle of a street you <laughs> jackass so this is again anytime you see Barney implementing like or having any interaction with Thelma Lou always remember that he's also trying to fuck Juanita Beasley. Yeah. Always remember. Wait, okay, who's Juanita? Because I heard that name and I thought it was a reference to a person of color that's not on uh, that's not on the show. Uh, is that different? Juanita is a waitress uh, <laughs> who uh, is like in the next town over or whatever and Barney is on the phone with an awful lot. Have we ever actually seen We've her? We've never seen she her. Ne- I don't think we see her at all in the entire yeah, show. Yeah, but he but basically she- has phone sex with her like a couple of times Ew. on the show and I feel like the implication is that he's fucking her. Um, uh-huh. He's basically like cheating on Thelma Lou with her or at the very least he's constantly flirting with cheating on Thelma Lou with her. Okay. And yeah. so I think that like he hides it behind like, well you can't kiss me, I'm a deputy and I'm this I'm doing my job. Almost like maternally, like, Mom I'm not in front of the boys, but I also think that there's a hint of like if someone else sees, like he doesn't want anyone to know that he has a girlfriend. Do you so actually I think just to circle back to Juanita real quick, uh, do you think that the reason that Barney just doesn't like leave Thelma Lou for Juanita. Is like Juanita sounds like a like maybe she's a, Latina. Yeah, she sounds mm-hmm. Latina. Like it. Like do you think Latina? Like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. No. Do you think like maybe that's like sort of a subtle thing about it? Is like maybe what was her last name though? Beasley. Beasley. 
that's on the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. like, maybe, like, the implication is, like, he can't yeah. leave Thelma Lou for because she's not white. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe. It, that's a little it's a little tenuous because she's not a she's not an actual character in the show. Like, yeah, we'll, just, we'll yeah, never see her. She's just yeah. off screen. But so, that yeah. supports it not we'll being never that, know. that supports her not being white, because if she was white, she'd be on the show. <laughs> oh, <good laughs> yeah. Good call. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, okay. Right. So I think that there's the subtle implication that he's having like an emotional affair with like uh, and possibly a physical affair. Possibly a physical. physical. She's uh, only in the next town. Yeah. And he can't leave her because he, uh, he can't leave Thelma Lou for her because he has to, like, because she's not white. He's really just not interested in Thelma Lou at all. Which, and, which is a shame because Thelma Lou, like, unlike whatever the name of, like, his season one girlfriend was, Thelma Lou's actually kind of cute for, like, you know, a, you know, six, for, like, a 60s girl that dresses like it's 1941. And yeah, also, yeah. like, has a personality. Yeah. Thelma, Thelma, be better to yourself. That's gonna be a, a recurring theme. We, have, we haven't even gotten to the fucked up shit that he does to her yet. Oh yeah. All right. So let's go ahead. Like all he's done so far is get mad for at her for showing affection. Yeah, and then she so, goes in to buy groceries, right? And yeah. he leaves because like a woman pulls up. She okay. So a she, car pulls up. He doesn't she, know it's a woman. Yet. Yeah. All right. Pulls up in a very fifties car versus like the rest of the cars are either like you know kind of nondescript nineteen sixties designs or like thirties. Yeah. She, this is very explicitly a fifties like uh, a fifties like you know boat car. She's uh, like you can always tell when a character is an out of towner because they're not like driving. They don't, bang bang. Like, yeah. They <laughs> don't look like they're from the depression. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Oh, okay, yeah, because that's definitely a thing that I picked up with her. Yeah. All right, so she pulls in there. All and, right, in a reserved spot. She like that's what he's going for. Is like it's like the reserve for the sheriff spot. Yeah, and she uh, and and when he stops her, she's like, "I didn't realize I was doing anything wrong." There was a fucking sign right there that yeah. says "sheriff's parking only." Like so, I. He's attracted to this gorgeous illiterate woman who, by the way, <laughs> when it, when he when she first appears, like tries to like you know do like a hair flip, and she even gets a sexy saxophone riff, and she tries to do a hair flip, but her hair is too perm to actually flip. <laughs> so like you know that's that's your first sign, I guess. But... Uh, I, I do have, I do have one question though. So she pulls up behind the squad car in yeah. the sheriff's spot. Now she doesn't know it, but we know it. There's only one squad car in Mayberry. Yeah. Why wasn't Barney parked in that spot? That's a good question. Why did Barney not park in the sheriff's parking spot? Because Especially the, when he was so close to it. Yeah, he's he's parked at the spot directly in front of it. Which that by is the way, super weird. By the way, was in front of a fire hydrant or fire plug, as they call it. <laughs> yeah. So just saying. This oh whole scene is just a train wreck of just collapse logic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, so she, he goes up and he, like, starts to give her a ticket and she just does, like, the, oh, sorry, officer, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Second time we've seen a woman, like, flirt to get out of a ticket. Right. And that made them the worst person on the planet. Yeah. yeah. And, like, uh, he's super awkward about it, but, you know, she kind of, like, flirts with him and then he straight up ditches Thelma Lou mm. to give some random bimbo with a pearl necklace a motorcade ride to a post office that's a block away. Hardcore eye fucks her. Yeah. Like, in front of, like, he doesn't even, like, like, check to make sure that Thelma Lou isn't staring directly at him as he essentially, like, humps her leg yeah, on he the street. just forgets that Thelma Lou exists. Yeah. That's... Now, to be charitably fair, Barney Fife forgets that anything exists if it's not directly in his line of sight. Yeah. He has no, like, proprioception. He has no, 
idea of the world around him. His object permanence is tenuous at best. Uh, but fucking, like, like yeah, so he, he leads her, he, he makes a big thing of, like, I'm gonna drive you to the post office, because that's what she's looking for. And make, like, like lights the siren and, like, like leads her car there. And the big joke is, it's just on the other side of the cul de <laughs> I right. will say, this, this scene goes on just long enough to be funny. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes that hasn't happened. It's... And, and then, like, he, like, he, like, takes her arm and, like, leads her into the post office. And Thelma Lou is just... Comes out. And she's, like, her face of, like, barely suppressed, jealous, what-the-fuckery before she starts tearing up is just priceless. Just, yeah, no, like, just standing, like, almost, like, dumbstruck with, like, how big of a shithead her <laughs> Right. And, like, of, course, of course, she sees it because he's 40 feet away. Right. Yeah. Like, he forgot that she existed. Like, I, I think, like, just sort of dumbstruck by, like, if you're gonna be a scumbag, you, this, like, you're gonna be this dumb of a scumbag? Right. Like So the next scene, scene uh, they're at the jailhouse, and Thelma Lou is talking to Andy about Barney and complaining about basically what a dickbag he is. Yeah. And then Barney enters, and he's, like, real proud of himself, like, uh-huh, like, like he just got a number. Yeah. Uh, and he's surprised. He goes, oh, Thumbaloo, you're here. He was yeah. going to brag to Andy about this. He was going to be like, hey, Andy, there was a super hot to Thumbaloo. Like, yeah. He, yeah. He, he was, he was, he's like really proud of himself and like shocked that she's in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's always like disappointed that she's in the room. He's like, oh, well, uh, did you, uh, did you get your shopping done? And she, again, I, I'll, I'll put the clip in here. Oh, hi, Thelma Lou. Hi, Chief. Barn. Uh, did you get all your shopping done? Yes, did you? Huh? Who's the girl? What girl? The one who got the police escort to the post office. Oh, her. Yes, her. Who is she? Oh, her name's Melissa Stevens. She just moved here with her daddy, and they're renting the old Pearson place out on Post Road till they find where they want to settle. Her daddy's name is George. He owned a cotton mill down in Savannah. He had some shipping in hers, too. Made his bundle. He's retired now, you know. His, he's a widower. His wife died four years ago last October, and Melissa's been taking care of him ever since. That's why she's never married. She's an educated girl, too. She went to junior college down there two years. A real nice girl, Dumbly. You ought to get to know her. You'd like her a lot, because she's a... You get all this information just showing her the way to the post office? Well, no, I didn't just show her the way. Naturally, I escorted her inside. Oh, naturally. Well, my gosh, Thumbaloo, well, what do you expect? I, I, you just can't point and run. I mean, she's new here. Being an officer, it's practically my duty to show her around. Right, Andy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just what did you have to show her that she couldn't find herself? Well, lots of things. The stamp machine, parcel post window, the outgoing airmail slot. Yeah, they're hard to find. Well, I mean, when you're new in town. The poor little lost lamb. Now, wait a minute, Thelma Lou. No, you wait a minute. I think you ought to know you made a big fool of yourself. Why? Because I happen to be courteous to a stranger? Strictly in the line of duty? And it was strictly in the line of duty, right, Andy? I believe I'd rather stay out of this. <laughs> did you get your shopping done? I did you? It's a kick-ass line. I mean, yeah, it was a good comeback. I mean, during during this whole, like, scene, 
like just the relationship conventions that come up are like cringeworthy, especially relationships as Barney Fife conceives them. Because Barney Fife, like you know, seems to conceive it as being in a relationship means means being not being free. He explicitly like equates it to not being free, yeah, like you know, basically being fucking slavery. Which you know, Thelmalu also sort of seems to agree, but like Barney also thinks that like this naturally makes women just naturally jealous, paranoid that, creeps. That, it's it's so it's so weird to me because. The whole time here, he kind of he plays like you don't own me card or whatever. Yeah, uh, several times, which I, I he's get. the one that's playing that, not her. Right, yeah. and I and I, yeah. I get that, but it's it almost comes across like like Barney can't conceive that there's a point where you are committed before a marriage. Right? Yeah, like he seems to think that there's only a commitment once the rings are on, yeah. and until the rings are on. Basically, what's happening here is. Thelma Lou and Barney have not had the whole, hey, are we, uh... They have not had the we, conversation where they're are like, are we a thing? Yeah. yeah. Like, they, they haven't had that conversation yet. Amazing. Like, it's still, like, you know, that's not just a, like, you know, post-2000 thing. So, the show Lovesick has a line in it where uh, one of the characters, it takes place in England, and okay. one of the characters was like, so you know in America, you're not exclusive until you explicitly state that you're exclusive. Really seems to save you a lot of heartache and and confusion. Uh, so that leads me to believe that this is like a fucking like this definitely hasn't been a thing. Maybe like, the, so. It's a universal human experience that people are always in like the are we dating yet? Are we a thing yet? Or are we not? And I, I feel like that seems like I a mean, thing that like our generation invented almost. Wow. Like, I say, in, in, in 1960, and people say that we that and people say that like millennials are useless. Yeah. Like that's fucking crucial. In Jesus. 1961 though it feels like if you went out to like one church picnic together you were getting hit. Yeah. Right? Like, like yeah. Like, I guess so. Welcome to heterosexuality man. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, a fucking trip. Like wow. I feel like back then I, I would assume the rules would be like oh we held hands we're locked in until we break I up. I guess so. But yeah. no dude like I'm in or, a way, I'm just gonna say, like, Barney would be progressive in his approach to, like, <laughs> if, if he communicated this desire at all to Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's kind of true. And, okay, okay, hang on. We, we haven't even gotten to the fucking weird swinger shit yet. Oh, yeah. Let's get to the fucking bottom of the Yeah, but listen, like, listen, you know, this, but this, wait, wait, I have to, I, I just have to, like, do a C, like, for some of the quotes... All right, oh, for, for some of the quotes from the conversation that he has after Thalmalu storms out, like, angrily. Oh, yeah, let's, where, let's go ahead you and... You know, talking about where, like, Barney is, like, talking about, like, you know, oh, man, screw women, where it almost sounds like he's, like, going asexual. He, um, he describes he, it as, I'm gonna be a hermit. Yep. Yeah. Put every female on a slow boat to China. <laughs> yeah. I do love he's, slow boat to China as a fruit or a phrase. He's men going their own way. He's, yeah. he's MGTOW. Yeah. He's, he's, he's about to incel. Barney Fife no, incel champion. No, right. sorry, voice cell. Yeah, and like when I wait, what's what's the difference between voluntarily incel and, celibate? In, uh, incel is incel involuntarily. involuntarily. Okay, got it. I uh, hate that I know that distinction. Also, yeah. also, I do want to point out in this scene, I really like what Andy does. Like we talked about Andy being like the stoic character, he turns his back. Literally yeah, the wait, 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 I thought that was later where he's like, no, no, it's when they're having. I'm talking about during the argument. Okay, yeah, during the argument. He turns his back on the conversation. I, I, it's very rare to see like a television character, especially a main character, not have their face entire, towards the camera. Yeah, yeah. spend an entire scene with their back to the camera, but he, like, just with his voice, occasionally like leans over his shoulder and goes, "Barney, I, I would change the subject." <laughs> yeah, Barney, you should change the subject. And then she storms out. And yeah. then she, and he goes like, "Well, uh, 
that's a pretty good way to change the subject. Well, now but, it's too late to change the subject. But yeah. he, uh, and, but, like, what was Barney going to change the subject to? Like, Right, so, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I want to cheat on you. By the way, have you caught the Mets this week? <laughs> what the fuck are they doing? Right. Like, uh, but yeah, no, like, so, Barney's... Like it, I, honestly, this whole thing seems like an abusive situation off the get go. Where... No, no one in this room is in a is in a happy place, right? Yeah. including Andy. Yeah, including Andy. no, but Thelma Lou is like it is. It feels like she's been so beaten down in this relationship that Barney Fife says, "Hey, I want to cheat on you, and I want that to be fine." And she's like, "Well, that's a valid viewpoint that I'm going to debate in good faith." Like she, that's where she's at. Where she's like, "Okay, you want to cheat on me? I disagree." So if, if this were an episode with She Must Not Be Named in it, yeah. you know that they would have done, like, another weird bullshit crossover thing where uh, it was like, well, if he wants to flirt with her, then you're going to flirt with somebody else. And yeah. uh-huh. they would have done, like, some wacky relationship. In fact, I think I'm describing a, a season one episode. Mm. Now that I think you about are it. Where, o- where Barney, like, tries to play the field and then they use... Uh, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, so... Anyway, Thumbaloo kind of says, like, well, if you're free, then I'm free, too. And then uses her freedom to just leave. That's it. She just walks out. Uh, And, yeah, we mentioned that Barney is now going, like, men going their own way. But then as soon as he gets a call from Melissa, he heads (coughs) right on over. Well, I mean, first, doesn't he talk about, like, playing the field? And he's like, tonight, Melissa? Tomorrow, not Juanita. Yeah. Um, but, like, and that was, I didn't know about Juanita, like, before you mentioned her. I thought that that was the first references to any, like, inter-ethnic relationship on this show. And I was like, wow, that's a gem. Oh, like, he was like, t- like tomorrow I'm going to sleep with, Man- uh, with what, uh, sorry. Tomorrow, I'm, tonight I'm going to sleep with Melissa. Tomorrow, maybe a woman who's not white. The sky's yeah, the limit. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll Jessica, have one of them. my life. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the origin story of Mambo number five. Party is probably Mambo number one. (laughs) So yeah. So he then he gets a call from Melissa. Um and it's like the whole like 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 I'm going to never talk to a woman again. Oh hi Melissa. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh So he goes over to Melissa's house and they're like with is there with her and her Father, who wink, d- wink, yeah, wink. and they're like, "Play us your harmonica, Bar- Barney." Oh, no, no, no. First, the way the intro they do is they're sitting in the living room and they're all laughing. And Barney says, "Like, do you want to hear another one?" And he tells them like a a, a really weird, a joke. terrible oh, joke, a terrible yeah. joke. Like, what's what's yellow and weighs so and so pounds? It's, the joke is, I remember it. What is yellow and flies and weighs a thousand pounds? Two five hundred pound canaries. So, a very, like, non-joke. Yeah. And the dad says a line that really weirded me out. He was like, I love a good story. Indicating he's not listening. Like, yeah. He's just been tuning this out. Like, he could have, like, done four more of those and be like, that is an accurate assessment of mm-hmm. modern politics. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Oh, those clowns in Congress. Yeah. 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 So, so, wait. I, I just, uh, I, I want to seek into something, like, here about opening up in on this scene in particular. Because... I noticed something about this set that you don't really see about any other, like, sets in mm-hmm. common. Because there's this whole thing about, like, Andy Griffith's show. It's shot in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ostensibly takes place in the 60s. Supposedly. But, supposedly, yes. But it intentionally evokes the 30s. It's, like, yeah. supposed to, yeah. like, have a Depression-era vibe. Like, you know, 
So, you know, one of those things that I was trying to think about is, like, are they trying to, like, say something about intentionally distancing themselves from kind of the, like, cynical, like, you know, more secular kind of post-World War II era with all of its stresses versus, like, the 30s where, like, you know, the world was kind of simpler and stuff like that and things might have been shitty, you know, but at least, you know, you had your own corner of the world. It was, it wasn't as complicated and, like, the problems you could wrap your head around or something like that. And just because, like, it, it just seems significant to me that the only two people who seem to actually decorate their home and dress like it's past 1955 are, like, portrayed as just these, like, you know, really shitty, inner, uh, like, you know, inner-city con artists yeah. who are slumming it in uh, the Appalachians. I mean, there is definitely an element that, I mean, so, the, Melissa simultaneously represents, like, sort of a more sexually liberated woman. I think that's, like, yes. the to come across. Yeah. But the courtship is happening through her father, which is a more, like, traditional, yes. like, yeah. anachronistic form of uh I mean, romance. but, like, you can... I, I, again, again, like... We've we've already revealed the switch here. Uh, yeah, we already know. I mean, which we already is know that, coming from. Like, it's not her father; it's her husband, right? Uh, so, even without knowing that in advance, though, this whole scene has weird cuckold swinger shit. Yes, going it does. All like, the vibe going all over it. There's that this weird an- anachronism in um. Anachronism. Anachronism, sorry. In, uh, in like, sort of regressive sexual politics where you, yeah. uh, Run the Jewels describes in one of their songs as you want a whore in a white dress. Where it's like, nice. you want, like, they, like, they, there's a follow up line, like, I want a wife in a thong, like, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like this whole thing of, like, um, you want the you want the woman to be simultaneously sexually liberated and sexually. You want her to be sexually, a whore in the it's, Virgin it's, Mary. It's, it's, it's the a virgin whore. Yeah. yeah, it's the virgin yeah. whore. You want them yeah. to simultaneously be sexually liberated and sexually repressed. So you right. want the same thing. So that's sort of you want them you, to be like you know the whole thing is that is that like at least this is me streaking speaking as a gay man growing up trying to be uh, being taught that he was straight. Like is that you know the whole di- the whole thing that they that men are taught to kind of idealize is that they like bring out like this like sexual being in, in the virgin or something which is fucking ridiculous yeah no. anyway but yeah welcome, like, to our, welcome to our new podcast three white men discuss women's sexuality for an hour yeah <laughs> welcome glad to have you here the the barney fights of the world want a woman who is super like sexually open but oh, but never fucks anyone else right ever, yeah like other than them ever. It's, you yeah, know exactly. it's, it's, it's almost like a like he wants a fuck puppet. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where it comes to, right? Is like he's allowed to to go around and, and search around, uh, and she's not, simply by virtue of the writing, essentially, right? Because yes. that's how Ellison and Stewart kind of see the world. When he says, I'm free, that means he's free to go off with other women. And when she says, she's I'm just free, stuck. she means I'm free to leave the room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christ fuck. Uh so yeah, they do let Barney play the goddamn harmonica for about three seconds. Yes. And he just plays fucking jingle bells. Yeah, well, I mean yeah, he does play jingle bells. He says like when they ask him what songs are in his repertoire. Um <laughs> like he says like these names of songs. I have no idea what they are. Rock and like, roll Rosie from Raleigh again. Yeah. Like Kitten on the Keys. Roses of Picardy and Funiculi Funicula are the wor- are the songs that he lists as being within his repertoire, and I'm like, what the hell are those? 
It's like the, they all give me different images. It's a fucking harmonica. It's like the biggest like uh, indication of the fact that they're fucking with them that they're the only characters in the show so far that are willing to tolerate the harmonica for that's, more than like two seconds. That's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So doing this weird like like father daughter date. Yeah. Like where he's mostly talking to the dad and the daughter is also there. Right. Like I mean, it feels very much like a meeting the parents for the first time thing. And I don't know if he if he's met Thelma Lou's parents. Like yeah. another reason for Thelma Lou to be pissed. But he's barely met Melissa. Like he went right. to wait Melissa to the post office and he's like, Hello father. Oh Melissa, you like you can listen to my conversation with your dad. Like this will be this I'm sure this is great for you. So um the next scene, uh, it's nothing much happens. Barney comes back uh, from the jail. He's super proud that he stayed out all the way till ten thirty. I mean, they, like, Andy and Barney do have the most awkward around the bush. Did you get laid night or not last night? Discussion. But, but no, he's not hinting that he got laid. He's hinting like I was in the hemisphere of getting laid. Like, <laughs> I was. I am this close to sealing the deal. Someone, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Let me. me let me redo that. I was this close to sealing the deal. I, <laughs> Damn it, his Barney fight is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he was like, like I can see first base from a mile away. <laughs> like, like, it's in my sight. Yeah, I'm heading in there. <laughs> if I if I squint real hard, like what was really saying is like a woman paid attention to me. Yeah, which you know what I'm I'm guilty of that. Fuck it. Yeah, one one hundred percent. I have been way too proud of like just. Media, uh, there's a small amount of, of affection or attention. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, was in a room alone with a woman. Yeah. <laughs> so, except he wasn't. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, yeah. So then he goes back to their house for dinner, right? Uh, and, and this, and this is where like the like cuckoldy swinger vibes really come. Right. They like so the 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 husband slash like pretending to be the dad lays it on real thick. Asks him about his like career ambitions and. And uh, Barney has got like delusions of grandeur and like talks about uh, joint about like joining the FBI and I just couldn't get past. No, no, like, no. Sorry. Before he talks about joining oh, the FBI, okay. he talks about that. Okay. he talks about opening Barney Five PI. Right. Like, yeah. Which is, I would love that show. That, that, that would be a great fucking show. With, just actually. imagine like Magnum PI, but with Barney fucking Fife. Like that, he's that still in Hawaii. He still has a guy in a helicopter. That would be hilarious. Yeah. That, no, wait. That would be hilarious. That wait, Bar- would, Magnum PI had a guy in a helicopter. I missed yeah, that part. Like, what yeah, his, it's, it's, that was his best friend. His best friend who had a helicopter. Wait, I might need to watch. Yeah, this no. Show the sometime. most like That's the most material subject. resources a, a private eye has ever had, where he just had like wow, an air. Wow. Yeah. That's that's impressive. Like I need to figure out whether this, not this divorcee is cheating on his uh, is, is cheating on her husband. Uh, like get in this helicopter. Wow! Yeah. It's, like, it's like they would just find excuses to use yeah. the helicopter. To use the helicopter. I've I've never watched a second of Magnum PI. How many situations could have possibly required a helicopter? Hey, when all you have is a helicopter, every problem starts to look like a. Like a helicopter. A helicopter form. Wait, wait, let me do that. When every when all you have is a helicopter, every polo, every problem looks like a helipad. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Something yeah. Like that. So uh, yeah. So so wait. He's talking about opening like Barney Five Pi. All right. He, he does mention that he's got a nice little nest egg saved up, which is probably a lie. 
Almost right, certainly. Yeah. He is definitely hand-to-mouth on this but show. He also, anyway. he, but he does, like, mention, like, you know, talking about joining the FBI, and he's like, you know, I thought I'd drop all Jag or a note one of these days and sort of feel him out. And I and I just, like, almost burst out laughing when <laughs> yeah. I heard that. And, and I'm just, like, thinking about, now, is Barney Hoover's type or not? Yeah. Like, mm. and, and then I, like, had to look up Clyde Tolson, and I'm like, what? Uh, because, like, you know, the only thing that, like, you know, Barney Fife basically look, does kind of look like Clyde Tolson with just a weaker jaw. Wait, d- uh, J- I knew J. Edgar Hoover was, like, there was that, like... There was a rumor that he cross-dressed. That, that he cross-dressed. But he was, I didn't know that like, there was... he was almost certainly fucking Clyde Tolson. Okay, yeah. I didn't they know that They went on that vacations was... together, he left him all of his stuff, they were buried together... Okay. Jagger Hoover was fucking Clyde Tolson. Yeah. He was oh. almost certainly closeted. So, real Abe Lincoln situation. Uh, Abe, Abe Lincoln. Abe okay. Lincoln was gay, and like, wasn't Abe, Abe Lincoln like in a? Um... I remember hearing that that was that that I I remember hearing non convincing evidence about this, but I've heard very convincing evidence about about J. Edgar Hoover, <laughs> mainly that he li- mainly that he had no female romantic partners, uh, like you know that he had actual you know beyond superficial relationships with. Versus Clyde Tolson, he went on vacations with, went to the opera with, ate dinners with, was buried together, left him all of his stuff. He was almost certainly fucking Clyde Tolson. So I feel like the J. Edgar Hoover wears dresses thing was just like them being homophobic about him probably being gay. Possibly. Or, yeah. Possibly, yes. Like, but, like, there is compelling evidence that he was fucking Clyde Tolson. I'm not sure if he was a cross-dresser. It wouldn't put me past him because because he was, he was like, a really repressed asshole. But... Marty, do me a favor and pull up a picture of Clyde Tolson. Nope. Oh, I'm going to pull... All right, I'm going right. to go ahead and pull up a picture Fine. of Clyde Tolson. And... But no, Clyde Tolson does... Uh, sorry, Barney Fife does go. look Here's like... There Here's Clyde it. Tolson. Mm. Way too much chin. Yeah, nope. He's got way too... Yeah, he's got he's got a way stronger chin than Barney Fife, but other than that, he kind of looks like Barney Fife. Yeah. At least you could say that Barney Fife is Hoover's type anyway. <laughs> all right, yeah, that, all right, that so, one-off joke, I totally... I, yeah, like, really did, veered... Yeah, thanks, bud. did veer yeah. on the two-off joke, sorry. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? All right, so the J. Andrew Hoover thing. All right, so this Since, is... Anyway. So, so then, then the, the dad-husband gets up, and it's like, well, I guess you two would want to be alone. He pats him with a newspaper <laughs> and kind of goes upstairs. It's like, oh, go fuck my daughter. Have fun fucking my daughter, wife. (laughs) Fuck my daughter on the couch. It's a weird thing for, like, a father to do. It's a real weird thing for a husband to pretend. Everything about this is weird. And so, uh, Barney, this is again where, like, Barney gets afraid of any kind of physical affection whatsoever. Yeah. She cuddles up to him and turns out the light and... He starts to get spooked again. No, he, it's, 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 he's terrified of he, sex. Yeah, no, he reacts like she's just like waving a knife around. Like yeah. she, like the entire interaction, she's like, "Oh, it's really nice hugging you," and she's just like constantly like doing like stabbing motions at him. Like he's like physic, almost not like physically repulsed by her touch, but like taking it very like. He is, he is trying to like shrink himself under the couch cushions. Yeah, what like. The- Fuck, like, it's, and for all of his shit, there's definitely something to be stated about the fact that for all of his, like, shit about, like, playing the field, yeah. when it does actually time... When it's go time, he doesn't have it. Yeah. Anyway, but, like, like this was, this was, like, the scene where I absolutely really started to notice the whole set design and stuff, how the set of this house absolutely looked like it was... 
the 1950s or 1960s versus the rest, every other, like, set in in Mayberry looks like it, you could have plucked it out of the 30s or 40s. Yeah. No, All right. It definitely had, like, an, uh, like, like a particularly old-timey set. Right, right. Well... You know, no, no, not no, no, no. Exactly had, the oh, oh, sorry, no, sorry. It yeah. had a particularly contemporary set, yeah, and everything else is old timey. I, I like, thought it felt like like a little like bit of a throwback. I thought it sort of felt like um, almost like Victorian a little bit. No, no, look at it closely. She's got like all this modern photography around. Like all of this stuff is new. It does not look like it was. Nothing looks like it was handmade. All of it looks like you could have bought it in like Sears or something. Like so, it, no, this was. Like, what I saw was kind of this, this, uh, dichotomy kind of presented between the type of woman that, I guess, that Thelma, that, uh, Thelma Lou represents and the type of woman that Melissa represents. And, like... I mean, that, that, that's not outside the realm of possibility. We yeah. have sure. talked about that, like, the, the set designers on this show were on top of shit. Yeah. Like, I mean... They were really great. Also, they had, like, an entire actual fake city to work with. These were all actual buildings. Oh, cool. Not like an actual set on a back lot or whatever. I Bob so. Sweeney was a competent director who was able to sort of, like, very good at crafting <sighs> moods with his, uh, uh, w- w- with the way that he put a scene together. Yeah, so, but, true. but, like, uh, just to, like, give some context, you know, it, I'm, I'm putting on my lawyer cap right now. Go for All it. Alright, is that, uh, like, at the time, here's what was going on in the country, is that the birth control pill was first approved for use in the ni- in 1960. That's two years before this episode aired. Um, and it's kind of often considered a landmark or one of the factors fueling the second wave feminist movement of the 1960s to the 1970s. But the pill wasn't available to everyone in 1960 to 1962. It was the subject of restrictive laws. There was first Griswold v. Connecticut, which came down in 1965. That's mm-hmm. three years after this episode airs. That was a 7-2 vote, and that's a Warren-era decision. I meant, I talked about the Warren court uh, before. Yes, the Warren Revolution that basically uh, ushered in all of these transformative civil uh, liberties and civil rights victories of the 60s that, you know, you kind of see the Federalist Society really trying to turn back the clock on, particularly in the past 20 to 30 years. Um... So Griswold v. Connecticut was kind of one of them. It was a, it's a less controversial one, absolutely. But anyway, it was a 7-2 vote of that invalidating a Connecticut anti-contraceptive law. Um, and it basically recognized a right to quote-unquote intimate marital privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, basically the idea that the state had no business legislating what, some, what people did in the bedroom. If they wanted, if a married couple wanted to use contraception, so that they could have sex without worrying about, like, you know, getting pregnant and possibly having another kid, because this was definitely before Roe, mm-hmm. um, then that was absolutely their business. So the, uh, the you know, Warren Court absolutely granted this. However, key point, married people. It wasn't until Eisenstadt v. Baird in 1972, which extended Griswold to unmarried people on the basis of the Equal Protection Clause. So, what I'm basically saying is that Melissa might not have been able to get the pill in Mayberry, but it sure makes it clear that she's not around here, from around here, in pro- probably a place w- unlike North Carolina, which 
it was legal to get the pill. Because that's the whole thing, is that, you know, when you have things like this, when you have things like Roe, or I suppose in the in the case of this, like the 1960s or 70s, it was about birth control, where, you know, it was a state-by-state -state thing. In, you know, a North, in a New so, England, Northeastern coast sort of scenario, you could easily get that. And that's where you would, you know, also, you know, correlat so, correlatively see the outgrowth of kind of the, you know, the fem the second wave feminist movement. Sorry. So it could be said that, like, the men of, like, uh, of this time period, like, were sort of, like, looking down, not, like, not the, the, just the men, but, like, this was on the, the, the precipice of sexual liberation. This was sort Definitely. of the Andy Griffith show's Absolutely. attempt to, like, essentially, like, filter this through the worldview of men. Yeah, because and it was certainly, like, this was certainly made a subject of conversation and, and some headlines but, around this time. But Andy, there is the explicit, like, line up until this point where Andy says, like, you should be true to a woman that's, that you're going steady with. So Thelma, yes. Thelma Lou sort of represents just sort of, like... Oh, she absolutely does. Commitment. Ex existing uh, gender dynamics. I mean, you've got, like, you know, Thelma Lou. I did, like, a compare and contrast thing. Holy oh, shit. <laughs> well, oh, got, my God. you got, like, Thelma Oh, my Lou. fucking you God. You came to... I did. I I come to bat. I, I, when he I'm comes, a lawyer. We don't have to do any work. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I, I yeah. write notes. That's half my job. All right. Holy shit. So all right, you've got Thelma Lou. All right, Thelma Lou dresses like it's the '30s to the '40s. Melissa dresses like it's the '50s to the '60s. Thelma Lou. She wears makeup and no jewelry. Melissa pearl necklace and earrings always. Uh, let's see. Thelma Lou natural hair, good looking hair, but natural. Melissa permed. All right. That can, can, can this Thelma throw that out here? You are so much smarter and so much gayer than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, if you put a gun to my head, I could not tell the difference between natural and unnatural and hair. I, I guess this is the part that the, the you know the part that's important. Like you know the the part the fundamental part of each of them that the show is trying to underscore. Thelma Lou demure. Kisses Barney on the cheek and it's slightly controversial. Melissa fucking seduces Barney on the first date. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, counterpoint. Yes? She does that seduction knowing full well that he will never, ever go for it. Does she, though? I, I don't know. She's just met him. But, I, that, 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 that also calls a lot of things into question, like how well did they plan out this fucking con? But I think the it's, idea is that's true. I, I don't know okay. about the no, meta so, universe this, of like that that Sweeney had. This the, 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 is the some problem fucking. Is, this is some fucking like uh like like reefer panic style like like morality oh, play yeah. type shit where they're basically saying like women who are sexually liberated are like are are that way because they have ulterior motives. Yes, that's yeah. the ultimate lesson. So yeah. here's so here's the question basically is uh you know I. Look, we've had some fun making fun of cuckolds today, but, like, how okay is Uncle Fester with being cuckolded? Yeah! That's really what it comes down to. Did that's, they, that's very true. Did they, did they pick They Barney? had to have entertained the possibility that, that they would end up, like, you know, screwing. Right. I mean, so, I know or we did knew they a... pick Barney specifically because they knew that he wouldn't screw? How would they know, though? How would they know? Look at his face! <laughs> like... <laughs> No research whatsoever. I'm okay, sorry. Folks, Does, do you look like at him? Hang Facebook? on. Hang on. Hang on. Let's for the for the listeners at home. Let's explain what the con is. What happens in this scene is that um, Barney being cuddled by uh, Melissa accidentally proposes. Essentially, he says or Melissa says, 
don't you wish that we could stay this way forever? Right. Wink, wink, wink. And he says, oh, yeah, sure. And she says, does that mean you'll marry me? And that's kind of the con. I think, now, I think that that's, uh, she didn't state it as a question. That was a, con- yeah. it was stated as a conclusion. Yeah. Just, she, there was never a yes or no anywhere in there other than, don't you wish we could be like this to forever? So which took, is a bullshit it, appro- proposal. So, so it, it seems pretty clear to me that we are not going to do our normal, like, point by point things. I'll just run through the rest of the episode. So after well, wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, I, I still have point for point for the rest of the episode. I just got, <laughs> I just got into a bit of a thing. Let because... me, let, let, let's explain what yeah. happens the rest of the episode. Yeah, the just let him, like, let's run through. Right. Real quick, so, and then we can go like yeah, beat okay, by beat. Okay. So, so after that, uh, Barney decides, "Oh, I can't do this anymore." He begs Thelmalu for forgiveness. Somehow, he gets Thelmalu's forgiveness because that girl does not know how to be good to herself. And, <laughs> uh, and then he has to break it off with Melissa. So when he breaks it off with Melissa, he walks back in, and then Andy gets a call at the jail from Melissa's father saying that they are suing. Barney for a breach of promise. And I have so lawsuit, much to say about that. Which I'm sure you would do. <laughs> so these for a breach of promise lawsuit, which doesn't make any sense because like there's no money involved. Was there a dowry that was paid? What it the hell? Sort of you just sense, go you're actually. doing a summary. We're gonna like right. go through all the various all right. questions. And they bring them in and Andy makes the call that he's gonna fix this by actually marrying them. But when they actually start to get married uh, the husband slash father objects, and that's when Andy calls them out and says, yeah, that's because you're not her father. You're her husband. This is a con. Maybe you've done this before. Anyway, you were trying to, you picked my friend as a patsy, and this is a bogus lawsuit. Get out of my town. The end. Yeah. That's the con that we're all talking about right now. They, they're doing a Tommy Boy. That is basically the, the whole situation is just the plot of Tommy Boy. Fuck, I spoiled Tommy Boy you should have seen it by now. You're an asshole if you haven't. Um, it's at least 20 years old. Yeah, exactly. And it's a great movie that you should have seen as a teenager. Um, but yeah, no. So they're, the, the the whole thing is they're doing a Tommy Boy. The the husband is pretending to be uh, is pretending to be a family member. In Tommy Boy, he uh, he essentially takes that bullet just because they're that much of sociopaths. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In this, they have to have just looked at. Don Knotts and just said, like, well, that's a safe bet. Yeah, it's a real question how much, like, they staked well, him out before. Yeah, no, how much did they plan on it being Barney Fife beforehand? Because, like, no one looks at Barney Fife and is like, ah, yes, sexual and, potency, the man. And have they like, done this to other Barney Fife types in other towns? De- they, I mean, they've done it. It sounds like they've had practice of it, or at least comfort with it. Yeah, they go from town to town doing this. I don't know if they find a Barney Fife every time. I feel like they were overestimating how much money Barney Fife had. Definitely. I mean, it sounds like at some point this Definitely. con has been profitable. Look at the house that they bought. Yeah. No, they're they, renting it. That's clear. They're renting uh, well, they're renting it, but still, they yeah. can afford to rent it. But they, you you think, like, they, they set their sights, like, they were, like... They immediately, like, all right, the person we're going to run this con on is a low-level municipal employee. Right, that is a bit misguided. Yeah, like, you think they would, like, they didn't hold out for two seconds for, like, a captain of industry. Or, right. Like, yeah. They didn't, like, the They could have tried to to seduce the mayor. That yeah. guy barely knows what he's doing, and so. And it'll be later established the mayor is very horny. So okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you, you got Harlan Fergus right there. He owns the bank and has all the town money. That's Who's true, yeah. Yeah. No, like, they, they, they just, like... Now, the, this was a missed con. But, the first but, guy who signs up. All of those guys, you have to figure, maybe they would fuck her. Yeah. You pick Barney, because you go, that 
that dude's not gonna like do anything. That dude is just a like a house of cards of like. Really though, hangouts. if you're if you're a traveling con artist, do you really have that many qualms though? I ba- basically, <laughs> what it comes down to is how again, like I said, how comfortable is Uncle Fester with some other dude fucking his wife? I feel like he raises a good point. Tra- like con men don't ha- don't give a shit. Yeah, they like, probably don't. I yeah. mean, they're con they're con artists. All yeah. right. But anyway, so like you know, the morning after the bullshit proposal, I learned that the local paper is the Mayberry Merry-Go-Round. <laughs> yes, the Mayberry. So, so I had a question about this because we've seen the Mayberry Gazette yeah. before. <laughs> There's there more are, than one. There's how, more than one fucking paper in this one street town. Are, my only are, my only thought is that like. The Mayberry Gazette is the official newspaper, and the Mayberry Merry-Go-Round is, is maybe, the gossip column. It's a gossip column. That's what I was <laughs> no, thinking. no, there are two competing newspapers at Mayberry. They are both two different old ladies who shuffle <laughs> yeah. down the street every morning, just like throwing the newspapers on, just like eat shit, Gladys, sit on it, Beth. <laughs> it's all yellow journalism. <laughs> yeah, like there's just like each each episode of like uh, each issue of the uh, Mayberry May. Uh, uh, merry-go-round is just like has a thing of like again the mayberry gazette can suck a fat one yeah uh, all right so yeah so it's been announced that now they're gonna set a date they're gonna get married uh yeah. Thelma Lou, obviously uh, pretty upset about this and just 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 one just to go back to the paper real quick though like this is the next day and they have a gossip story about it it's like they're faster than TMZ at this point right? Marty would have had to call them and let them know well, yeah. you know what uh, more than more likely well, I think that I think Melissa, that no, that Melissa, Melissa actually called them no, and let Melissa them know. had so called the crazy day fast. before yeah yeah no it's like they're they're in the kitchen and uh, Aunt B is like so. The Mayberry merry-go-round says that Barney's engaged, and Opie is like, "Why does Barney need a second girlfriend?" And Andy's just like, "He doesn't." Like, what? And, 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 it's like a recurring thing. He keeps asking, "Why does Barney need a second girlfriend? Why does Barney need a second girlfriend?" I feel like the subtle thing Opie is saying is like, "How did this happen?" Yeah. Like, but how does Barney have yeah, a second girlfriend? Father, <laughs> I understand basic human attractiveness to a fundamental level at this point. Like, I'm not great on it, but I get it. Remember, Opie's gone through, like, five girlfriends at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah. He has? Uh, Opie is a renaissance man. Yep. He's like oh. six. Yeah. Opie is... five, six-year-old girlfriends. Opie is breaking... Or one thirty-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> Opie is, uh... Opie is a fighter and a lover. He's breaking <laughs> noses and hearts. Last last I saw Opie, he was, like, season one Opie was, like, a little sociopath. Like, is he less so? I mean, that hasn't... Mm, no, that hasn't changed. No, right. he's, he's just gotten better at it. Oh, okay. He's gotten his mask of sanity has gotten has like gotten more e- secure. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. Opie is like asking his dad, and then Barney just like busts through the wall like the Kool Aid Man, and is like, "You gotta help me." He Kramers into the room. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like yeah, and then they have this like discussion back and forth. That's like you know this really weird you know, view of marriage as both a legitimate sacrament and a major fucking unrealistic burden. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which, like, in this circumstance, it is because Barney is like, well, I've known her for, like, 20 fucking minutes. But... So, I want to get to the scene where, uh, where Thelalu takes Barney back for some stupid reason. That scene is a fucking, like, 
house of mirrors of just denial and like mm. and, and emotional and like psychological abuse. Now we've we've seen Andy do this before, where he like convinces two people that they love each other, right? Uh, and just for, honestly, for the sake of his own convenience, yeah. And yeah. he he kind of just like convinces Thumbaloo to take Barney back, and Barney swears off all other women. Uh, and she's like, just don't, just don't be a fucking dick about it. Yeah, you can talk to right? women. Just don't be a, a silly schoolboy, is what she calls him. Which yeah. is just being like, don't I fuck women in front of yeah, me? Please, right. like, come on. It, it bothers me like so much because I feel like feel like there's almost a healthy relationship like peeking through there. Like, it's maybe but then there's this it, random douchery that you yeah. just randomly do. Yeah. Oh, there's all right. There's a lot. So. Barney sends Andy in for him as like oh, his yeah. emissary. Yeah. So he's like, all right, so you're going to sneeze twice if I should <laughs> enter. Which, how? How yeah. would you hear that? Oh, we Don't... know how he hears it because he's got his ear to the fucking door. He wasn't supposed to do that, though. He was supposed to stay in the car. Right. Like, they, so they worked up a stupid system that Barney immediately fucked up. Yeah. Uh, so Andy goes in and uh, she's like, are you here on personal business or professional. He says professional. Lying. Lies and says that it's, uh, that it's, it's pro- uh, strictly professional. Talks about just, like, parades and bullshit. And she, and then eventually does, like, a, a really stupid thing of, like, oh, there should be a, uh, oh, shit. A, uh, he, he does, like, a bad pun. Like, he does some sort of bad pun that works Barney into it. And works the like, word get the fife. Fuck oh, oh, it's a fife and bugle core. Yeah, fife yeah. and bugle, uh, bugle core. Oh, but on the subject of Barney Fife, let's talk about him. And, and she's, she's like, like, get the fuck get out. out. She, get... she kicks him out. She's like, get out of my house. Get out. I don't want to talk about Barney Fife. She opens the door and there's Barney. Who yeah. falls over. He mm-hmm. falls in, um, and, uh, uh, and then they like they kick off this like whole fucking nightmare of a conversation where he offers the most half-assed apology. Right. Where he's just he doesn't say like, "Hey, I was abusive," or "Hey, I like cheated on you." He was just like, "Hey, so it turns out that uh, cheating on you was inconvenient." Yeah, so it was a bad I'm, idea for me he, to do this. Yeah, and Andy says like he is wizened by his. Uh, uh, by his experiences and ready to commit. Right. And really, it's just like the, their explanation for why she should take him back is just like, so fucking you over didn't work out great for him. Uh, aren't you sympathetic to how bad his life is now? <laughs> take him back. Like, yeah. they don't empathize. They don't give her, one, they don't give her a good reason, and two, they don't empathize with her situation at all. Yeah. Like, it this. Is, it reminds me a lot of, like, the first episode that I did where, like, you know, Andy kind of strong-armed some woman into, like, letting Barney in- into their lives. Yeah. And then he gives really creepy commentary about what they're going to do later off screen. Yeah. He's... And then, like, it's kind of like Barney lampshades it by telling, kind of telling Andy to get the fuck out. Yeah, he tells her to give him some sugar. Yeah. Like, she, she eventually, like, really begrudgingly, like, almost, like, broken down agrees. She's like, yeah. Fine, I guess you you're sure you won't cheat on me and he's like probably mm-hmm. and then they they and then like Andy leaves mm-hmm. uh all right so on to the, the the jailhouse scene which is the fucking meat that we haven't even gotten to I mean let's let, let's just go ahead and, and we already summed it up so Andy gets that phone call basically that says uh that they're suing Barney for breach of uh, Breach of promise? Is that the Yes, term? breach of promise. A I, breach of promise suit. All right. 
go ahead and explain to me how the hell this could possibly work because there's no mo- there's no money involved. It's an oral you know. contract. Okay. Uh, so basically, a breach of promise suit was a common law tort. In other words, it's it was basically regarded as the same thing as a breach of contract because mar- I mean, especially before the 20th century, uh, marriage was a lot you know was much more of a contractual financial thing between families rather than between individual people. Um, and like, so basically it was like, it it was similar to the, to, you know, you basically form an, the, it's basically where you treat the, um, where the proposal is treated as an oral contract. All right. And by breaking that, it's kind of like, you know, it's basically, you know, my daughter has lost all of this support. It's like, you know, all of these things that, you know, could have been brought by that companionship and stuff like that, as well as the, uh, as well as the, um, if you're trying to make a legal theory about it, uh, you're trying uh, talking about the intangible things that you can't put a dollar value on, like the expansion of your family and, uh, you know, the s- stuff like that. Is that an uh, emotional damages kind of deal? Sort of an emotional damages sort of thing. But the thing is, is that breach of promise is not really a thing that you see that much today. All right. Because, it, you know, the development of family law is that it's a lot more individual rather than family based. And it's become a lot more, I guess... It, it, it's the family law has kind of, has kind of evolved back and forth between keeping, keeping like trying to not be involved in that shit and being too involved in that shit. Um, so, but like the breach of promise tort was like, interestingly, not as misogynist as you would think, Hmm. because like it was actually relatively easy for a woman to recover in a breach of promise suit. In other words, sue a guy who said that she would marry, that he would marry her. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a lot harder for a man to recover in a breach of promise suit, unless there had been a dowry or some sort of actual money just exchanged. So in the United States, we began to abolish the cause of action for breach of promise around 1935. Uh, Partly as a result, by the way, the that's why engagement rings kind of started to take off, uh, because they kind of represented a certain level of financial collateral that you can actually get. Then again, there's also, like, some statutes, like, in certain states that let the man get the engagement ring back, and which is kind of bullshit. But anyway, uh, like, South Carolina still recognizes co- uh, the cause of action of breach of promise, and about half of states still have it on the books. In 2010, in North Carolina... <laughs> A breach of promise trial, a breach of promise suit resulted in a $130,000 verdict. So it's still a real cause of action. Um, and, you know, here we see in, in Andy trying to mediate this, we see yet another breach of promise because he's, you know, acting as both the sheriff of Mayberry as well as the mediator to arrange a settlement between what is basically a breach of promise, which is basically a lawsuit at this point. Right. Um, like, you know, lawyers aren't involved, but someone's talking about, you know, doing litig, you know, doing litigation. And, and here comes the sheriff of Mayberry trying to force a settlement, even though he is best friends and co-workers with one of the parties and has, is familiar with the facts. So yet another like you know che- you know notch on Andy's belt of uh, just being you know massively corrupt. Yeah. So so yeah, they do come in and uh, the Uncle Fester basically says, "Well, we'll take a nice cash settlement and we'll yeah. get out of your hair." Essentially, and so Andy does. Andy puts Barney's like life on the line again and says, "All right, I can settle this right quick." And he begins to because remember he's also justice of the peace begins to marry them. Yep. Does the, like, ceremony. And, of course, the husband-father objects. 
Uh, there's a little bit of argument there. Uh, Melissa says, I'm never going to marry this. They call it a squirt. But, like, I'll never marry this fucking guy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, because you're already married to that dude, aren't you? Get out. Uh, and the final, like, stinger of this is Andy reveals his thought process behind it. Everything that clued him in. Which eventually comes down to, like, but what really clued me in was, why would a woman that looks like that be with you, you stupid idiot? Yeah. Yep. She, he was like, why would a woman want to be... Like, he does, like, a whole, like, Sherlock Holmes in the yep. parlor thing. And it was like, why would a woman that beautiful want to be with a squirt? And then just, like, scampers off his body, like, yaps <laughs> at him. But, I, but, I mean, let's not, let's not forget the stinger that happens after that. Right. Like, is, like, where basically Andy manages to walk in on Barney and Thumbaloo making out... Even though the lights in the house are off, and, like, it's basically like he was trying to walk in on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Again, seems like that was, like, pre-planned. Yeah. And, and he, like, the big joke is, like, when the lights turn on, he looks like the fucking Joker. Like, oh, his, yeah, his like, Thermaloo hair... really likes messing up his hair and not taking off his clothes. Yeah. Like, that should be the cover pick for this for this episode, yeah. is, that, is, is Barney Fife just looking fucking disheveled with <laughs> lipstick all over his face. I mean, honestly, like, we've, we've talked for more than an hour, and we have not begun to scratch the surface of the bizarre sexual politics of, of Barney Fife. And, like... I think we've done the, a good bit. The, I feel like just the the fact that he cannot fuck, but also is, like, like takes great relish in hurting the women around him. Uh, welcome to the 1960s, my man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, god damn Where you been, bro? I, like, I, 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 I do not have a scream that yeah. can, that can yeah. properly articulate... <laughs> The fucking nightmare that is uh, Barney Fife's sex life. All right, let's rate this. I actually don't think this episode is that good. Like, if I were going to go back, I would probably never choose to watch this one again. Uh, so I'm going to say on an Andy meter, this is a four for me. Uh, oh. Not great. There's nothing super well. You know who rules in this is... Uh, Uncle Fester? I was going to say the actress who plays Thelma Lou. Oh yeah, no. Should have on the top. No, she's never been that good up until this point. She kicks ass. Yeah, like I like. Yeah, no. Uh, Oh my god! So the actual name of the actress who plays Thelma Lou is Betty Lynn. Wow. I'm looking at the sentence Betty Lynn as Thelma Lou. Wow. Okay. All right. That's weird. So anyway, Betty Lynn rules in this. Yeah. Um. The conversation and the stuff that I got to like look up, like I didn't know that as much about uh, about like the role that uh, that like those two Warren Court decisions uh, played in in like the devel- in like the course of second wave feminism. That was kind of fun, but yeah, the the po- the like you know politics and conventions of this. You episode don't get to fun. count research as part of the episodes. Okay, quality. so uh, then not counting the research. Yeah. yeah, it's about a four. Yeah, I think it's yeah. It's there's no part there particularly funny. It's it yeah. I'll 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 go with the herd. It's a four. Uh, as and far as I, I don't even know how to rate this on a FIFO meter because it's just so sexually dysfunctional. Um. Me- it's it's messy. It's like it's yeah. there's no single thing that I'm like I'm upset by this. There's a lot of things happening upsettingly simultaneously. It feels like the entire episode Freud is trying to punch his way onto the set. <laughs> like, God, seven. Uh, I'd maybe knock it up to eight because I think that, I think that last episode was maybe like a six or seven right. on on. You I, mean, know. I refuse to stand by our own internal logic. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with an eight. An eight feels right. Yeah, I'm rocking this up to eight. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. An eight. An eight feels right, just because, like, I don't know. It feels like something very bad happened on this episode that we didn't totally get a piece of. Ah, <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that is it for this episode of Breaking Mayberry. Ian, thanks for being on again. Pleasure. Always great to have you uh, add a little bit of, like, gravitas to this. I like that when we go over an hour, we start talking at lightning round pace. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to about do it for us here at Breaking Mayberry. Don't forget, you can still support the show financially by supporting us at patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. Support us otherwise by liking, sharing, subscribing, reviewing on iTunes or other platforms if you like the show. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Break Mayberry. On Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. Dan is at The Luds with two Ds. Special thanks to our guest, Ian Roberts. Our opening music is done by Max Ludwig, who is on the internet at Sleep Talkie. And our logo was designed by Emily Christina, who is at Scribble Emily on Instagram. The music you're about to hear is Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Mid-Air Machine. Thank you once again for joining us in Mayberry, and we will see you all down at the fishing hole. Barney's awkwardness in this, like, is just super cringeworthy, and it, like, just triggered memories where, like, I didn't realize this the first time I was a guest on, on this podcast, but now I totally remembered it, that, like... That, uh, that, that song by Peaches actually features, uh, uh, clips from the Andy Griffith show. Uh, Peaches, uh, oh, you called mean Fuck the Pain Away? Fuck the Pain Away, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, it's basically superimposes Peaches into the Mayberry Sheriff's Department and she's like dancing around while, while like, uh, Barney Fife is kind of like just awkwardly trying to handle the situation. I guess it's from some episode. What the fuck? Meanwhile, are you she's like about? sucking it's, it's on the, my titties like you wanted to It's the music video me. for Fuck the Pain Away. Yeah. Holy shit. How do you guys not know this? It's, it's basically, I, I completely forgot. I blanked entirely like you did. But that, it, that's what triggered memories of this. You know how the Weezer video for Buddy Holly is Happy Days? Yeah. Same thing. Holy shit. Yeah. I need to see this music you video. You do. Yeah.